Hi there, welcome to the Methodist Central Hall Westminster podcast, where we explore the rich history, vibrant community, and inspiring faith stories behind one of London's most iconic churches. I'm your host, Dan Forshaw, and today we have a very special guest, Elliot Crippen, who is based up in Harrogate in Yorkshire, working with churches around that area and in the wider connection on digital mission. Methodist Central Hall Westminster is a global Christian family following Jesus at the heart of London, and we've been a place of welcome since 1912. To find out more about our church, its historic building, please visit our website, mchw.live, or find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, our services are on YouTube, Instagram, and now on TikTok. Central Hall Westminster podcast. I'm delighted today that joining us is the digital communications enabler for the Yorkshire North East, uh, North and East District, uh, Elliot Crippen. That's a mouthful, Elliot. How on earth do you fit all that on a business card? <laughs> yeah, I try not to, I think is the answer. <laughs> Lovely. So just um, just obviously fill, fill people in who, who don't know where you are and, and what brought you to um, working for the Methodist Church and, and what brought you to faith really what's your what's your testimony um okay uh, so I suppose starting from where we are now um so I, I live in Harrogate at the moment and uh, I work as you say for for Yorkshire North and East District um, basically helping churches and circuits with with a whole range of of digital issues and challenges around social media websites online worship um video editing any anything that falls within the digital remit which is a uh, pretty broad um but how i got here um so my my parents uh, are baptists and i grew up in a baptist church my dad was a minister and so i've always really been involved with faith and church and um that was kind of part of my life so it was a kind of gradual process to faith i didn't have that kind of light bulb moment as such but Around 15, I kind of took ownership of it myself and got baptized and uh, kind of became a church member and said, oh, you know, this is this is something I believe, not just part of uh, my family upbringing. Um, and ever since then, I've kind of dipped in and out and um, worked around the church and um, done various things in various capacities. Um, after university, I, I was in a, a different field, so I, I didn't I wasn't involved in digital the whole time. I, I studied countryside management at university, so um, slightly different uh, and worked for the National Trust for a while. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, but I've always had that kind of I've been volunteering in, in helping with websites and helping with social media and, and built up a kind of back catalogue of of experience around this this kind of area. And uh, eventually this kind of a perfect role came up for me and um, it was kind of one of those moments that you feel like kind of God's um, put it there to kind of direct you a little bit in your life journey and um, I ended up working in my, my current role in a different form uh, and so for the past ooh, uh, four or five years now I think um, I've been here in Yorkshire doing a, a similar role helping uh, try and move the church into a, a, a modern age I suppose. Yeah, I mean, so we did your appointment predate COVID. Were you on board before? Yeah, so I started uh, twenty eighteen, um, so before COVID, and um, back then it was uh, yeah a, quite a different role. COVID definitely shaped my role uh, very very dramatically. <laughs> so, Elliot, what were the biggest challenges that you found that churches faced when we we went into lockdown, we went into the pandemic, and churches were trying to move online? You know, what did you notice that went well? Uh, and what were the things that maybe didn't work out? Yeah, I mean, what went well in, I suppose, from from my perspective, and I suppose you're similar, is that uh, it's really helped churches shift into 
taking digital seriously and, and prioritizing um, a different way of connecting with people. Uh, it's forced us to imagine how to do worship uh, in different ways, more creatively. Um, but then the flip side of that is, um, I suppose, we then fell a little bit back into a rut in that uh, a lot of churches uh, adapted um, their church life to an online context in, in a pretty samey way. Um, it was kind of like for like, how do we just put what we do in person online? And I think that's the kind of the slight downside that came with it. And, and that's part of the challenge that we're still dealing with now, and especially in my role, is trying to help people reimagine what church online uh, and however you want to phrase that. I mean, I use the term digital ministry a lot nowadays because it is quite broad. You know, we're not just talking about worship or, you know, publicity or there's so many elements of it, but it's it's about all of ministry, doing all of that in digital ways um and just trying to imagine doing that creatively and differently um i think some some of us have got into a mindset that is just about well we we tried that during the pandemic and it didn't feel as good as doing it in person um and so we've kind of ruled that out uh, and i suppose it's just trying to encourage people to say actually the way we did it it worked really well for some people in that time but it's not the only way to do it yeah i think i've noticed that there's been very much you know, my other role is, is working as a musician and obviously the pandemic was very, very different. But there have been aspects of life that have changed, um, you know, completely since uh, the pandemic. But there's also been this idea of we need to go back to where we were um, as if forgetting, you know, the lessons that we learned and some of the good things that came out of, you know, having to move everything online, having to live life online. And I, I find this juxtaposition sometimes with people who are very happy with certain areas of their life being totally online, and yet when it comes to things in church, no, it has to go back to how it was. Why Why would we do it that way around? Um, and I, I wonder kind of how we, you and I, you know, in the roles that we have and others, can help the church continue to move forward rather than thinking of the, uh, the pandemic as like a, a little blip where we went into this digital realm and now we're going to come back to the real world. I wonder what you think about that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the solutions around that type of thing about how do we how do we encourage people to keep exploring um lies very heavily in storytelling um i think for a, a lot of our church congregations the, the the digital kind of church the online worship that didn't quite work for them it didn't fulfill a need in the same way it might for younger generations and i think trying to tell some of the stories where it did work really well where it really people had spiritual experiences in an online context um, really help open all our eyes to the the way God can work through different mediums. Um, so I think part, part of that is, yeah, just helping us see different perspectives and that there isn't a one size fits all, but lots of different methods help different people. I'm kind of throwing my first curveball at you. Um, I've recently finished reading a book called Mind, um, and I won't complete the rest of the sentence, but written by a guy who was heavily involved in the Cambridge Analytica scandal. I wonder how much trust you feel there is within the church for um, digital media companies, social media companies, Facebook, Instagram, well, I suppose they're one company under Meta, but, um, you know, uh, Twitter, etc. You know, how do you feel the church, both in a leadership context and in those in the congregation, find uh, this understanding of how... Um, want to think of the right word how 
how fragile sometimes our data is, our personal data. Yeah, I think there's there's no getting away from the fact that there is a, a lot of distrust around um, around some of these big companies, about the, the social media platforms. And um, I think part of it is is justified in a way. Um, it's difficult to know, really, isn't it, how, how much we should be worried. And we, we don't want to scare particularly those who are just starting out in experiencing getting online and using the benefits of it. Um, but I think generally in wider society as well, there's, there's a bit of distrust going around. And I think that does affect how we, how we use the platforms. Um, this year, after looking at what some of the secular reports said about trends for social media in particular, I was kind of drawn to the idea that maybe we need to shift our focus slightly away from trying to be um, kind of corporate and professional online, trying to you know, focus on um, publishing, you know, good quality online content under the banner of the Methodist church or whatever it might be, and try to be a bit more personal and authentic, people posting on their own social media platforms, um, that type of thing, to try and navigate that distrust that is about, um, try and be really open about who is posting online and, um, you know, what does it mean to be the Methodist church? I think it, it poses some really big questions that we haven't really got our head around yet. I mean, have you watched the BBC series about the Mormon church and uh, some of the digital evangelism that's taking place with them? Uh, they had um, people who were just reaching out to younger people and direct messaging, evangelizing their own way. I mean, I wonder, if, did you see that? I mean, what are your thoughts on that sort of more direct evangelism that people could do? How can we enable that as a church? Yeah, no, I, I didn't see it, but I've heard a lot about it and, and know the premise. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's kind of, hmm, how, how do we encourage this, but in a safe way? Because there are clearly um, real red flags and concerns about how we do this you know again it's another example of taking what you might do in person which you know have a a really intimate conversation with a friend and someone and try and talk to them about faith and how do you do that in an online context well you can't just go about messaging everyone you meet online and, and trying to build really deep connections without without there being some safeguards in place uh, i think that's really important um and how we do that as a church is is challenging and, and complicated. In thinking about safeguarding, what do you think the role is of being sort of salt and light within those social media environments? You know, we think about Instagram and some of the material that goes on there. I've got a t teenage daughter. I only have to look through her For You feed on, on TikTok, and sometimes it scares me to death, and I feel like I need to throw her off there, even though I'm pretty digitally native and quite savvy when it comes to these things what what do you think the role is for the church you know particularly you know I, we've just launched recently a tiktok channel and there is a big community of christians on there but also there is an awful lot of dark stuff on there as well i wonder how you feel we can go about being salt and light in that world that is you know part of our world but also separate mm, it's really interesting because i've seen people take um you know different approaches to this uh kind of like twitter for example i've seen lots of organizations pulling back off of twitter saying it's it's no longer a good place to be as an organization to to be of benefit and to contribute um to something they don't feel comfortable on but then i've seen the complete opposite approach where some people are saying well actually this is somewhere where as Christians, we really need to be present. Maybe the platform itself um, doesn't feel like it has the right um, heart, 
But maybe that means that is somewhere that we need to be present and be sharing God's love amongst people who wouldn't, you know, encounter it in in a, any other way. Um, so yeah, definitely. I don't. I was going to say we 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 had our reading this morning in our staff meeting, which was Acts seventeen, and Paul. Um, in Athens, you know, with the unknown God. And, you know, Paul went to the marketplace. Paul went into those places and evangelized and was, you know, was a missionary um, and went to where the people were at and challenged them on, on some of their beliefs as well. Um, so there's definitely, I feel, uh, an element where we need to be on those platforms to be missionary, you know, to be those mission missionaries that are reaching out to the people in those spaces. Mm, yeah, uh, I think my challenge would be is it really matters who those people are. Um, I think I would agree with you entirely that we, we need to be there in some form, but that doesn't mean that, um, if, if that's not a space that you're, you know, or are comfortable with you know, TikTok, for example, if that feels completely alien to you, uh, this isn't a challenge to say you need to be on there to evangelize to people, but actually, you know, like you say, maybe we have, um, children and teenagers around in our churches who are already on those platforms and know how to use them um, maybe it's about trying to equip them to be um, you know able to share their personal faith or be you know just um, a, a positive influence on yeah, really interesting thing. I think we, you and I are obviously working on things with the connection as well, but it's worth a deep dive in terms of how we do go about equipping young people because if we don't, others will. And it's a question of, as a church, if we can put those correct safeguards around uh, these young people as they navigate this digital environment, some of whom know these environments better than we do. And, you know, we work in it um, daily because it is literally in their hands from morning, noon and night. Um, it's how they, you know, it's how they navigate completely. I mean, we do it. I mean, so many of us do it now. Uh, people go on and moan about phones, but actually that's how you communicate with people, um, you know, in real life, as they talk about as well, you know, um, the IRL. Um, <laughs> I did think my daughter was talking about the Republic of Ireland at one point. I was, and then I realized what, what, what the three letters stood for. With, with that in mind, moving, you know, slightly away from real life, um, how do you feel... And this is a purely a, a, a guesswork, and I'm throwing out a very big question on you. How do you think sort of the development of AI, thinking of ChatGPT, Bard, those kind of things, are going to change how churches work in the next, say, six to 12 months? I'm not going to give you longer than that. Uh, I just wonder, what have you seen so far on these platforms? Um, uh, how do you think, the, first of all, the positives might be? And also, you know, what are the dangers we need to it's something that I've not really touched on an awful lot in a kind of professional capacity yet, because um, I don't really know what to do. I'm just kind of watching as it develops and trying to see where we're heading, because it's also new uh, in a way. Uh, in another way, it's kind of been around for ages and, and been developing out of the public eye. Um, but yeah, I think there are definitely positives involved. I mean, it's definitely going to change a lot of how we engage and experience digital, I think. A lot of the ex experts are talking about it being quite revolutionary in, in the way that we... Um, well, it's, it's really difficult to imagine, isn't it, beyond 12 months from now, how it might have integrated with our society. It's it's kind of the pace of change is, is extraordinary. Um, but, you know, I've got colleagues, and, and I do as well, that use... Uh, you know, AI for stuff in, in daily work already, uh, you know, about crafting social media content uh, and text to go online. Um, there's little things where it's already being 
you know, it's been integrated into kind of the daily working life of some people. And um, yeah, it's interesting with churches. I, I really don't know because it's just another example, I think, where as the church generally, it feels like we're falling further and further behind where society is. And, um, you know, my mind wonders how how do we catch up with that? Because it is is quite. Uh... Who will be the first preacher to preach a sermon written by, by AI? There you go. There's a challenge to uh, anyone out there. Um, it has it has helped me a couple of times with a few things. I won't mention which ones I've used it for, but it is. I find it very useful for prompts, you know, for kind of. Um, brainstorming ideas, give me, you know, um, also doing some of the donkey work, you know, write me a, like you said, social media post, write me a social media post about our healing conference. Um, Optimise the algorithm so that, you know, give me the best words for SEO. I realise I may have talked an absolute junk to a lot of people who are listening now, but Elliot understands yeah. me and the two of us will understand. Effectively, what I'm trying to do is use the AI tools to give me the best optimization because AI effectively controls the algorithm that social media companies use. Um, YouTube is a social media company through Google. And so if you can help optimize your uh, results, I mean, one of the things I've been trialing recently is trying to get uh, Bard, which is Google's version of the AI, to give me better titles for the online services so that it might increase the engagement. Um, I can definitely see usefulness in that, in that you are feeding back into the computer, give me the best way of getting the best result out of here. But I think um, as to whether um, sermons can be Holy Spirit inspired if they come through chat GPT. I am, uh, I don't think so. So, although I do remember my former, I went to um, London School of Theology and I do remember there was a lecture after I left uh, about whether aliens needed salvation. Uh, yes, someone actually got funding to deliver a lecture on that, but never mind, we shall leave it there. Um, what are your top um, top three or four apps or um, software, etc., that you use um, as a, um, a digital media professional in church life? What would you recommend for people to use? Um, it probably will come as no surprise, but my, my top recommendation would definitely be Canva. Um, I use it all the time, pretty much every day in, in a work capacity for the church. Um, and it just enables you to design stuff really easily. And very quickly, if you're a church and you're a registered charity, you can get Canva for free. Um, so just for people yeah. to know about that. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, the, the standard package is, is a free website anyway, but there's a there's a pro level which you pay for. But yeah, I've yeah. Our, our district has a, a free account as well and as a registered charity you can get that access for free um, but it's yeah really really easy to use but also really powerful and, and you can do a lot with it um, mm. you know I've almost switched uh, entirely from using a lot of the more professional you know photoshop and, and stuff like that for designing over to Canva just because of the the quickness and ease of it and the new AI tools on Canva are also very very good I mean you know the background remover for photos is phenomenal I've got to say it really is if you work with their templates it's great um, and then beyond that, um, I suppose it depends what area of digital you're involved with, whether it's kind of social media websites or kind of other stuff that um, as a church you're looking to, to have uh, software that enables things to run more smoothly or, or be more professional, whatever it might be. Um, I suppose, yeah, like social media scheduling platforms and things like that. There's, I've switched between various packages in the past and used different things. Um, and the same with video editing. That's another big area that, that lots of churches are involved with. Again, 
Um, nearly everyone I speak to uses different software and um, I've used a variety in the past. It kind of depends a lot on your context, I suppose, um, what, what your skill level is and what resources you have, what kind of computer you have. So, um, yeah, it's quite quite difficult to recommend a kind of go-to packages for that would work for everyone, I suppose. Yeah, but what what are you using at the moment, though? What what would be what were your, what are you using yourself? So for video editing, I'm using uh, HitFilm, um, which is a, a free package. Again, they've got a, a pro paid uh, tier as well to access more stuff. Um, it's it's not the most powerful out there, but it, it kind of is a good high high enough quality one for me. Um, and I'm not I'm not bought into all the Adobe stuff. Um, I know some people uh, love it. And uh, I've used some of it in the past and, and quite like it. But at the moment, I'm not I'm not with that their package. So I'm with HitFilm at the moment. Um, yeah, I use a bit of Photoshop here and there where where I can't do stuff in Canva. And um, I use a lot of kind of built in things. So I try I try to keep things simple, I suppose. I, I like to showcase that for, you know, a local church, you don't need to have lots of um paid for software and applications and whilst it can make life a bit easier and a bit quicker um, sometimes I like to take the extra effort just to kind of show that it can be done in free software and in stuff that comes naturally with your computer um, you know I I use uh, just the meta stuff for scheduling things on Facebook and Instagram and and that type of thing. Where do you hope to see the Methodist Church in particular when it comes to digital mission in the next 12 to 18 months what are you hoping to see uh, and enable the church to be able to do both in your district and, and wider so um quite recently i led a, a workshop at our district synod looking at um how do we integrate digital into the the future stories of our churches um so just thinking through kind of where we've come to now and, and where do we go next? What does the future look like with digital in a church context? And I suppose my vision for that is about, it's that, it's that integration, it's incorporating it into everything. I think sometimes there's a sense that digital is something separate. We'll just leave that to the people that know how to do it. Um, we'll just have something that sits outside of the church, you know, oh, we do a bit of social media, we do a bit of that. Um, but for me, it really needs to integrate into the whole of church life as we move forward. I think the future is going to look a lot more hybrid um, or however, what word you want to use to kind of, sh you know, online and offline life are, are, are already very merged. But I think they're going to come together even more. And so, um, you know, all the things we do in person, I would love to see churches or I think in a Methodist context, it could be a group of churches, a circuit that focus on providing the things we do offline and provide something that's equivalent online. And I don't mean by that replicating everything you do, because it's not about creating a whole load more work. Um, it's about saying, well, we do worship in the building. So how do we provide some form of worship or spiritual development for people online in whatever capacity um, you know we provide communication we have notices and things uh, in our church how do we provide that digitally um, we do outreach and mission uh, from our church building so how do we do some of that in the online space so I would love to see churches kind of um, basically putting equal importance on the stuff they do online as they do in person
I think that that last phrase there is the real important one, the, the community element and bringing people together. Um, for me, I see the function of, of the website. Um, and like you, I've, I've gone through phases of not quite sure um, where websites fit and how long they'll survive. Um, and I think particularly in a church context where resources are limited, there's often a bit of a battle going on with, well, we can't we can't resource everything. Should should we have a website or should we have social media? Um, you know, ideally, we'd have all these things, but sometimes there's a bit of prioritizing going on. Um, but for me, the website, the the really useful function of it is to enable some of that that deeper stuff. So you can signpost to it from social media, from emails, from other things you're doing and enable people to connect more deeply with the church. Um, so I think a lot of, of it is about um, signposting really well how to um, get more involved with your church. And and that obviously means that the websites need to be geared to people that aren't already in your church. And I think that's one of my key messages for those with websites. Uh, and it's been the same for a number of years. I've, I've often said this. Um, we like to design websites, um, you know, with notices and things that are for our church audience. Um, but it's really important that we also consider how they're perceived from those who are visiting outside the church and that they get the best experience and, and right information from them. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> I think sometimes you've got to be a rather <laughs> strong gatekeeper when if you're in charge of your church website. You have to say no a lot. Um, I find myself saying no an awful lot because uh, when I when I came into my current role, everyone had said yes and the website was all over the place. Um, and what had started off as, as an informative thing and just had everything piece of information on it. And I think, you know, it's uh, tempting to put that information up there so that someone can find it. Well, um, sometimes there's a better way and a more efficient way of, of people finding that. Moving a little bit offline, uh, here's a, a, a different question for you. And you're not allowed to say the Bible at this point. So what's a book that you find yourself gifting to people most often, apart from the Bible or a tract or something? What's a book that you like to, to li- like to suggest to people or, or give away? It depends a lot, I suppose, on who I'm talking to, because uh, I've got, as you can imagine, quite a few books around um, digital, practical digital help, digital theology, all that type of stuff. Uh, most recently, um, Meta Church has been a really good book from Dave Adamson, um, which uh, is probably slightly more kind of intermediary. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it if you're, you know, just getting started online as a kind of beginner. But if you're involved at all already or in kind of church leadership or anything like that, um, I'd encourage you to take a look just maybe not necessarily to take away lots of the practicalities, because I think some of it is designed for a slightly more well-resourced church, but just the concept of, um, I suppose, a little bit of what I've describing of how do we provide a range of options online as church. So he's using the word meta church, not in terms of, you know, the company that Facebook now is. <laughs> just to clarify that he's using the word meta to almost mean a different version of hybrid. So a kind of fully hybrid church that works online and offline. Uh, and it gives a really good kind of um, strategy and and vision of how that might look for a church so that's that's one that i would recommend uh, okay thanks Elliot. um if you're a contestant on master chef uh what, what are you cooking up what's what's your uh, favorite meal to cook up <laughs> i quite like cooking actually um and it, 
I I have for a while, but even more so now I've got a, a two-year-old daughter. So it's often quite a good excuse to say, oh, I'm cooking. I'm going to hide in the kitchen for a while. You can look after the, the child. <laughs> but um, yeah, what would I cook? Um, I quite like things like uh, lasagna or um, other pasta dishes like spag bol or stuff like that. I mean, not very master chefy, I suppose. <laughs> You're the contestant. You can cook what you cook what you would like. You're not saying how long you're going to stay on the program for, but um, there you go. That's fine. Um, you know what, what's um, you, you mentioned? You, you've got a, a daughter there. How how she, appreciate she's she's young. What's your kind of feeling about the role that technology is going to play in her life? Um, just wider, not just everything in church, but wider. I mean, how do you, do you feel comfortable with her? I mean, one, one thing that shocked me, my daughter was born around about the time of the iPad launch. Uh, and obviously, having never even seen it before, as we all had, and in, in, she almost intuitively knew how to operate it, which was kind of scary uh, and also very impressive at the same time. I just wonder how you feel um, with a younger child, you know, kind of because you hear a lot of stories about, you know, Silicon Valley CEOs never let their children near devices, etc. And yet, actually, the reality is they need to learn their way around this technology. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of... It's exciting and scary, isn't it? It's, it's a strange... I mean, it's been around for a while where um, kind of children have grown up with technology um, and it'll be really interesting to see how, I suppose, some of those, the, the next generation form uh, being immersed so deeply in some of this tech. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always amazing how quickly she can adapt to working out how to use technology. And, you know, it's the little things like um, she doesn't really understand that you hold a phone up to your ear to talk to someone. You know, she thinks you hold it up to your face because you always look at someone. You video call. Yes. My 13-year-old is exactly the same. So, yeah, it's like, and they all walk around with it on speakerphone as well. Like, well, we can all hear your conversation. You know, why are you doing that? You know, it's kind of like... Yeah, definitely. Um, there's always an interesting kind of, um, I don't know, people take different approaches to it with, with children around. Do you show uh, their faces when they're young online on social media? Uh, we've kind of gone with an approach of uh, trying not to where we can. Uh, and people have different approaches. Again, it's just kind of no one's really sure, but it's trying to work out, um, you know, from a safety angle, from a data angle, from uh, all sorts. I mean, my personal take is just around, um, you know, if it was me, I'm not sure growing up if I would I would want to have the decision to have my whole life already online, um, you know, whether I don't know how it will affect uh, kind of our children uh, to know that their whole lives are publicly available um, when they when they find out. Uh, I don't know. And this is one of the other things, isn't it? We're, we're still... Sometimes it can feel like we're all playing a part in a great big experiment of which no one has got any control of. Um, and, and that can sometimes be quite scary in terms of how we, we utilise this technology. And I think if you're a, a student of history and you look at over the, the, the great technological changes that have happened, there's always been a downside as well as a you know, very good upside. There's always been a downside as well. To yeah, it. I mean, it's always been the case, hasn't it? But it, it's always worth reminding ourselves that it's not the technology itself that's inherently bad or dangerous but it's it's how people use it and there's always been people that that take advantage of whatever the technology of the day is uh, and it's no different now exactly exactly and we need to be there and, and show that we worship a good god and you know all can be saved and all those things and i'm getting into wesley day because that's coming up in a couple of days i wonder just finally what what is your um 
What's your feeling about Methodism? What What are the things that excite you about Methodism and the Methodist Church moving forward? Um, you know, what what could you what could you sort of leave us with on that? Mm, what What a question! <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Um, I suppose I'm excited uh, in our district. We're we're trying really hard to uh, experiment with new things um, and do that alongside supporting. Um, the established traditional uh, structures that are still there and still working through. So again, in our recent synod, we talked a lot about change and how we we deal with that as um, as people who some of us are very much focused on being, you know, the future, thinking about the future line. Uh, and some of us are very much about the present, thinking about where we are now and how do we keep what we have going uh, and we need both those types of people to help the church function. And, and I suppose that's what I love about Methodism, um, the broad church, the diversity of it. Um, and at its best, um, I would love to see us be, you know, really diverse in that we offer all churches kind of look and offer something different and that they cater to different niches and to different people. Um, I have a kind of love hate relationship with that idea. We always go like all are welcome because I'm not sure that that really helps us achieve our vision well in that all should be welcome but sometimes we need to uh, welcome different groups in different places and help different you know it's physically impossible for everyone to be welcome if you live at the other end of the country um, it's you're not going to be accessible to a church you know in Scotland or wherever Um, it's just an impracticality so I would love to see us be diverse and cater to different people in different places instead of just being at the moment, I suppose it feels quite bland in that we all do kind of similar stuff. Our worship on a Sunday all looks fairly similar. If you go to different Methodist churches, you go, mm, yeah, this feels familiar, um, which is maybe a positive for some. But I would love to see Methodism embrace some of its roots and um, become um, very much focused on uh, community and grace and um, explore what it means to be Methodism for the future. Elliot, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the Methodist Central Hall Westminster podcast. It's been great to have you on. Uh, if people want to find out a little bit more about you, want to reach out to you on social media, you're on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Um, it's just at Elliot Crippen on Twitter. Lovely stuff. And uh, you can find out some more work that you've been doing uh, with the Yorkshire North and East District um, uh, on their website. Is that correct? Yeah, there's there's loads of stuff there and loads of resources from me. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been great to be here and thanks for for having me. So you're very welcome. Thanks, Elliot. Take care. God bless. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>